We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Today is Tuesday, May 4th. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and we're going to talk a little bit of recruiting today. Today, we're going to talk about gap closers, and I'm going to define what gap closers are. I'm going to look at the gap closers that Notre Dame has, has landed in the last couple of classes, and then we're going to dive into sort of who those players are in the 2022 class on both sides of the ball, and then where Notre Dame stands with them, and just kind of talk about what would it take for Notre Dame from here on out to finish with that sort of that top five class, which is where they are ranked right now, and that kind of class that we look at and say, yeah, that moves the needle, and, and that's what gap closing is all about. So I'm going to begin by sort of defining more clearly what a gap closer is for me. There's obviously the, the easy one, which is you're landing an elite player, and to me, an elite player is either someone who is more is kind of a ready-made step on campus and be impactful right now type of player. And that'd be a Michael Mayer type of player, for example. Kyle Hamilton was that kind of player. Guy's going to step foot on campus and have an impact. Chris Tyree was that kind of player. Then the other type of elite player, in my view, is a guy that has that five-star upside. And not necessarily the guy that has five-star upside, but it's going to take him a while to get there, and there's more risk of him actually getting to that point. When I think of, like, in this current class, Darren Agu is a player that I view as a five-star upside player, but right now there's some there's some space there. So he you could debate whether he's a gap closer, even though I gave him a five-star upside. I'm talking about definitive players that you look at and you say, this guy may not be a five-star the day he steps foot on campus, 
or a four and a half star. To me, both of those are gap closers for me. If you're a top 50 player, you're a gap closer. Blake Fisher is another example. And so then you look at and you say, okay, who are the other types of players? It's a guy like to me, like a Deion Colsey type who is, is to me right now, not an elite prospect, but Dion's ceiling is incredibly high to where by the time it's all said and done, he could be a Chase Claypool type of player. And that to me is a gap closer. So we're going to dive into, so then there's a second part of gap closers. That's the immediate, the big impact guy. But I think there's another way to close the gap. And it's not simply just saying you're going to land elite players. The other way you close the gap, in my view, and this is a different type of player, is maybe this isn't an elite prospect, a guy that comes in and he's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick someday. But the other part of the gap closing is, is this a player or is this a position group? And we'll dive into that. Is this a position group that moves the needle from where you are right now? So not every gap closer is necessarily a guy that you say he's going to go start at Alabama, okay? Or he's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick. Other types of gap closers can be guys that are, hey, here's where you were as a program and you're not there yet, but this gets you further. This gets you a lot closer. The the truly elite Blake Fisher types and, and, and the Michael Mayer types, those aren't gap closers. Those are gap erasers, right? I mean, those are the, the, the best of the best, and it's unrealistic to say Notre Dame's going to land nine, ten guys of those a year. But I do think Notre Dame can land at least nine to ten gap closers a year in when you take both of those definitions into consideration. So let's give a couple of examples. To me, when you look at, at certain positions and you say, you know, is Gabriel Rubio or is Prince Colley, are those guys that – are just the elite future top 10 NFL draft picks? I don't think that they are. They could eventually grow into that, but I don't think they are. They don't necessarily, all of a sudden you landed them and now you're right on the same plane as Alabama and Clemson. But what you can look at them and say is, these guys get you closer. They get you a lot closer. Uh, Then there's the less obvious type of gap closers. And this is where it can be more about a class. So when I look at Ryan Barnes, and I look at Philip Riley, and I look at Chance Tucker, and I look at JoJo Johnson at corner in the in the current freshman class. Are any of those guys individually elite prospects that eventually are going to be top 10 picks? I don't see that right now. Again, anything can happen, but I don't see that right now. What I see, however, is a cornerback class that moved the needle significantly and gets Notre Dame much further down the road than they were before that class so showed up. So to me, that is what gap closing is to me. It's it's two tiers. It's the obvious elite players, the guys with really high ceilings, and then it's that next level group of players. And today, we're going to talk about who the gap players are on the roster and the in the younger classes, and then who the gap closers are that are still on the board. And for right now, it's really important for Notre Dame. Uh, to get those guys. And then as we go through it, there may be some comments that I pull up or some questions that I react to. But if I don't get to your question during the show, I will definitely get to it when we get to it. And Notre Dame 2164, what's up, buddy? Appreciate you for being on the show and everybody that's already on the show already. So let's dive into this. Let's first look at the last two recruiting classes. So this is going to be the 2020 and the 2021 classes. And just to show how fast this stuff goes by, I'm not counting the Kyle Hamilton class as part of this. I'm just looking at the last couple classes. The reason I'm doing that is because, to be honest with you, 
Kyle Hamilton might not be on campus, probably won't be on campus when this group of recruits shows up. If everything goes to plan this year for Kyle, for Kyle Hamilton, he's not in the class. Kyron Williams may not be on the roster when uh, when this class shows up. I said class, I meant in, in, on the roster. So I'm looking at the 2020 and 2021 classes. And in 2020, the, to me, the gap closers were, there's three obvious ones for me, or two obvious ones for me on offense. And that's Chris Tyree and Michael Mayer. I view Xavier Watts as having that guy, but he's more of that upside type of player that's much more debatable. He has to he has to pan out a lot. Tosh Baker falls into that category. Tosh was a top 50 to 100 caliber recruit, but he's more of a, a high ceiling guy that needs time to develop. I view Jordan uh, Batelho and Riley Mills are guys that, or in that second category of gap closers. Maybe not elite top 50 players, but guys that, to me, move you down the road and get you closer. Not just a little bit, but a jump closer. 2021, there are even more, especially on offense. I have five gap closers in the 2021 offensive class, and I have uh, Tyler Buckner. I have Blake Fisher are the obvious top 50 guys, and then I have a, a view of Deion Colsey and Rocco Spindler. And Lorenzo Styles are sort of that second tier of players. And then I talked about Colsey. Colsey could end up being by himself a gap closer. He's got that kind of upside. He's just going to need more time and more time to develop, in my opinion. And on defense, we talked about Rubio and Prince Colley are gap closers. In the 2022 class, let's look at where they are right now. Right now, Notre Dame is ranked fourth among all the services in recruiting. They're ranked fourth by rivals, and they're ranked fourth by 24-7 sports. And that's that's pretty good. But a big part of the reason they're ranked fourth right now is from a volume standpoint. And, and the way that those things work, it's a, it's a, a cu- accumulation of points, right? Well, Notre Dame has 12 commits. There's, there's not a lot of teams that have 12 commits in their classes right now. So that's a big part of where they're at. And it's a real solid class. And when I look at the class right now, I don't see any traditional gap closers on offense. I don't view Steve Angeli or Jadarian Price as that or Maureen Walker or even Eli Raritan. So when I look at Price and Raritan, guys that I rank as top 250 players, uh, and when I look at Joey Tanona, who I rank as a top 250 player, I don't see guys that are necessarily moving the needle along. They're in a different category, and this is a very important category, and that is these are guys that are going to sustain areas where you're already strong or they're at least keeping you where you are, at worst, keeping you where you are, based on the type of recruits they are right now. So when when you say Eli Raritan's not a gap closer because he, he doesn't make Notre Dame better at tight end than they were, he keeps them already really strong. And it, it can be confusing, but I think everybody's going to get the hang of as we as we talk about this more and more and more. Defensively, I think they've got a lot of gap closers. And I think you could make a case that all of the defensive players fall into one of the two categories, and especially as units. So when you look at the defensive line, Tyson Ford's a top 100 recruit. He's the number 70 player in the country on, on rivals board. I rank him as a top 100 recruit. To me, he is a gap closer. There's no question. You are a much better program with him in your system. I view Aiden Gabera after his junior season as being a gap closer. Uh, a guy that here's where you were as a program. Now you're better. You're closer to those programs because you have him. And so then the second part of it, um, the second part of it to me is you look at a guy like Darren Agu, and I talked about him earlier. Is Darren Agu a gap closer today, May 4th? I don't think that he is. 
but is Darren Agu a, a gap closer in that if he reaches his full potential, he closes the gap? Yes, he's an Isaiah Foskey type of guy, but not every not all of those guys pan out, and oftentimes they're not ready to necessarily play as true freshmen. So that's another part of it too. So they're different types of categories. And then I and I put Jaden Mickey in the gap closer category after his junior season. He went from a top 250 player on my board based on sophomore film to top 150. Now, what I mean by Jaden Mickey is he is in that second group of players, in my opinion. And what I'm referring to that second tier of players is he is not a elite top 50, even a top 100 guy yet. He could end up being a top 100 guy if he does, if he makes another jump as a senior. But right now he's like that top 150 guy. Well, to me, your cornerback depth chart looks a lot better now that you have Jaden Mickey in it. He's not necessarily just a keeping you where you are. He has moved the needle. And to me, that is that second tier of gap closing. So that is where Notre Dame's class is right now. Now, when you look at where they have to be at the end of the year, Notre Dame has often been in the top five early in the process. And part of that is because they get a lot of commits early. And in recent years, they've especially had success. Remember, early last year, for a while, Notre Dame had the number one class in the entire country. But over time, as other schools started to land high-ranked players and other schools started to catch Notre Dame in numbers and surpass Notre Dame in numbers, they passed them. And Notre Dame finished with the top eight class. And then in the past years, which is still really good, they finished like about the eighth or ninth class, which is still really good. But then in past years, they would kind of fall out of the top 10. So when I look at the class now, there, there, there's two things to discuss. Number one is who's on the board. And then number two, can they close? As I mentioned in a previous podcast, I, I, I think I might have mentioned it in maybe yesterday's podcast, the day before. They all kind of bleed. No, it was in the Eli Raritan podcast, I believe. But I said I'm more confident today in Notre Dame's ability to close based on where they've positioned themselves than I was last year, than I was the year before, and then the year before that in regards to they're in a position to, yeah, they've got great guys on the board, but it's more about can you get those players to then – you know, kind of finish off and and close off with those type of prospects. And that's where I view Notre Dame. So let's first start on offense. To me, when I look at the offensive recruiting, it's let's start up front. Now, the, the one position that I think you have to always look at and say, this isn't necessarily about landing an elite prospect. It's more so about a landing landing an elite class, an elite group. And the reason I say that is when you look at the NFL draft, there's always teams that have a great offensive lineman that don't necessarily have great offensive lines. That's not always the case, obviously, but that tends to happen quite a bit. I mean, we've seen players go in the first couple rounds of the NFL draft that weren't part of great offensive lines. For example, Christian Darisol from Virginia Tech. I mean, I don't think Virginia Tech had a great offensive line even though he was a part of it. Rashawn Slater was not part of a great offensive line at Northwestern. Uh, he went in the first round. Elijah Vera Tucker was a first-round guard from USC. I don't think USC had a great offensive line, but they were obviously high-level individual players. What is more important to me is to get them to where you have an elite group. And so when I look at Notre Dame's class, I think what I look at and say with the offensive line is, it's about finishing with that elite group. 
right now with where they are. I don't view them as being there, but I do believe they have a good foundation. The key now is going to be adding players that, that are even above it. And, and so when you look at jo- uh, Joey Tonona, top 150 kind of guy, could end up being a top 100 recruit, could end up being, in my opinion, has the ceiling of a second, third round player. Ty Chan, he's more of that raw but high ceiling guy that I just say, I can't really go there with you to say he's a gap mover or gap closer because there's just so much work that's needed, even more so than Darren Agu, in my opinion. And part of that is just not having enough film of him because we've only seen him as a sophomore. Now, let's get into where the class is now. What does Notre Dame do? And can Notre Dame even have a gap closing offensive line class? I believe they can. And there's four players on the board for me that would constitute closing the gap. Now, there's some other highly ranked players on the board that I look at and I say, yeah, I know he's ranked high from a recruiting standpoint, but I don't view him as moving the needle. And Joe Bruner from Wisconsin would be an example of that. Very good player, but to me, not a needle-moving class, not a gap-closing class. So there's four players, in my opinion. And you look at the obvious is Zach Rice from Virginia. Notre Dame's in his top five. He's talked about making a visit. You've got Jake Taylor from Oklahoma or from Nevada. You've got Carson Hinsman from Wisconsin, and you've got Billy Shroud from Wisconsin. When I look at those four players, Notre Dame has to get any combination of three of those prospects. If Notre Dame can get one of the tackles, and the tackles to me are Jake Taylor or Zach Rice, they get one of those two players, and then they they get Hinsman and Shrouth, then I feel like this is an elite offensive line class. If they get... The two, the three Wisconsin kids, Hinsman, Shrouth, and then Joe Bruner, it's a really good offensive line class, but I don't think it moves the needle because I think it kind of keeps Notre Dame sort of where they've been the last couple years, which is maybe not as many elite players. And there's a difference between a, a, a Liam Eikenberg and a, a Ronnie Stanley and a, and, a, and a player that maybe is a good player, but not a great player like a, like a Tommy Kramer, for example. And I think that's where Notre Dame is. I think if you get three of those four players, you're in that group. Now, the second part of that is, where does Notre Dame stand with those guys? Well, here's here's the latest that we've been able to gather. Zach Rice, Notre Dame's in his top five. He's the highly ranked guy, but but I believe that Notre Dame right now trails other programs. I think Ohio State, I think North Carolina, uh, I think Alabama's in the mix. Notre Dame's going to have to get him on campus to have a shot. They are in within striking distance, but they're not in that top group. If he were to make a decision today, I don't think that Notre Dame would finish in his top three. That's just my opinion. And what we're hearing kind of from our different sources on this situation. Jake Taylor, to me, it's Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Alabama is his top three. Oklahoma's reportedly reportedly the leader. I like where Notre Dame is at because I believe that, that, that he's the kind of kid that when he comes on the visit, Notre Dame's going to blow him away. They have to get him on campus, period. So if he goes to another school, they have to say, hey, look, if you feel like committing, this is what Notre Dame needs to do to all these kids that are visiting other schools before they visit Notre Dame. You have to say, listen, they're going to try to get you to commit. They're going to tell you they have no spots, whatever the case may be. Look, don't do it. Just come visit us first. Make all your visits, and if they want you bad enough, they'll wait for you. And if they're not willing to wait for you, then they don't want you that bad. That's what Notre Dame needs to be telling all these kids before they visit other schools. So Jake Taylor, I like where Notre Dame is at if they can get him on campus. I, I think he is a player that they, with a good visit, could they could surpass Alabama and especially Oklahoma for him. Carson Hinsman, 
really the three schools that the two schools that I'm most concerned with with Carson Hinsman are Iowa and Wisconsin. I like where Notre Dame is placed right now. Obviously, Wisconsin's always going to be tough for in-state linemen because Wisconsin's done a great job of producing, you know, first and second round offensive linemen. When I look at it, I see a kid to me that really likes what Notre Dame is about. Yes, the in-state attraction is there, but he's like five, six hours away, my understanding. He's like five, six hours away from Madison. He lives way up in northern Wisconsin. So, I mean, if you're going to drive to Madison, you can just easily drive drive to South Bend. It's not that huge of a, of a difference when you consider where he's at. And I think Notre Dame has really attracted him. This is a recruitment where Jeff Quinn has done a really good job. I interviewed Carson Hinsman after the the Under Armour camp in Ohio a few weeks ago, and he talked about how Jeff Quinn's been ta- really on him since he was a freshman. Notre Dame has been involved with him since he was a freshman. So that is really, really early recruiting, and, and they've built a really strong connection and I think they're in a good place now. It's just about finishing. That's going to be the key. As Brian Denbo says here, as Coach Freeman has said, and Mike Elson has said this, it's about getting them to say yes. And I really feel they're in a good place with those guys. And Billy Shrouth is a guy that I'm most confident in with Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame has been in a great position with Billy Shrouth for a long time. Wisconsin's been working hard to try to get themselves in striking distance of Notre Dame. And I just feel really good about where Notre Dame is. I, I see him as a guy that if he visits in June, which I expect him to, that would be the latest he get, joins the class, would be during or after his visit. I feel that's the guy, if I were to rank them in my confidence level of where Notre Dame stands, I think they stand in the best position with Shrouth. And I liked Billy Shrouth as a sophomore. He was a top 200 kind of guy for me after watching his junior film he went up to a top 100 guy for me, but he is still is mostly an interior player. Could he play some right tackle? Sure. But I view him as more of a guard type and even plays guard in high school. So he's an interior guy and there's a bigger need of tackles, but this is a top 100 to 150 caliber player. And it's not just me that ranks him. I believe I'd have to look at the rankings, but there was a time when he was in that 80 to 120 range from the services. I'm not where he, not sure where he's at now, but I think that's a good place for him. He's the player I'm most confident in with Notre Dame. Second is Carson Hensman. Third is Jake Taylor. And then fourth, a distant fourth, is Zach Rice. If Notre Dame can get any three of those four players, it gives them another tackle in the class, potentially a second player that could play right tackle in a pinch. And it gives them a very strong five-man class. I think Jake Taylor's got excellent upside. I think Jake Taylor is a guy that, that reminds me a lot. A friend of mine actually was talking about Jake Taylor last night, and he said he reminds him of Robert Hainsey. And from a body type standpoint, I agree with that. But I think Jake Taylor's more a more athletic and a longer player than Robert Hainsey, which is saying something because Robert Hainsey was an outstanding football player coming out of high school. So when I look at that, that's where I feel about that group. And so Brandon's asks. Uh, says thoughts on Bruner compared to Shrouth and Hinsman. Why do the recruiting services have him so high? I can't speak to why they have him so high, but look, he's a good football player. Don't get me wrong, but to me. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bruner is a guy that I think eventually has to play guard in the Notre Dame offense. I think he can play tackle for Wisconsin. I think he can play tackle, probably play tackle for Ohio State, but they have different systems. It's more bully ball. Notre Dame needs better athletes on the perimeter. We, you know, when, the way that they throw, the way that they pass protect, the way that they work to the second level, they trap, they pull. It's a you, you require a little bit more athleticism to play tackle at Notre Dame than you do at Wisconsin and even to Ohio State to a degree. And so that's why I, I don't view him quite as high. Now again, I'll, I'll continue to evaluate him, and he could make a jump. You know, junior, senior film, he could make a jump, Brandon. But right now, I have him behind those other players. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So those three, three of those four are guys that you have to get. And I look at a guy like Holden Stace. Is he a gap closer? No, because he is similar to what we talked about with Eli Raritan. He's a really good tight end. He's a top 150 to 200 caliber player with a much higher ceiling because he's still pretty raw. But Notre Dame's already, they're already an elite program at tight end. Those guys don't close the gap on other teams because there is no gap to close. Does that make sense? So when I talk about Eli Raritan and Holden Stace, what they're doing is they're maintaining. Notre Dame is in a maintenance situation when it comes to tight end recruiting. I don't view the offensive line as in maintenance. I think the offensive line has taken a little bit of a step back in recent years from that elite level of recruiting we saw from Coach Eastan. So now it's up to Coach Quinn with this class to close the gap. Now, this that kind of class to me would be a borderline gap erasing class. Again, we're not talking about what Notre Dame has done in the past. We're talking about where Notre Dame is right now. And that to me is important. And then you obviously Rocco Spindler and, and Blake Fisher are those type of players. I view Tosh Baker as that kind of player. He just needs more time. But then you add this big group to it. This is a great five group. If you get three of those four with Tanona and Chan, you could make a case in that situation, a strong case, I would make it, that that uh, Ty Chan is your lowest ranked of your offensive lineman. He's currently the number 208 player in the country on a composite ranking. So that's kind of where I look at it. And then Brandon brought up a name here. Emil Wagner must have some high upside if Ohio State is so high on him. He does. He has very high upside. I have some issues with his lower body and can he hold up, but he's an excellent player. Honestly, Brandon, the reason he's not on my list right now is because I think he's going to Ohio State. I just I don't see him as a guy that if I include him in this conversation and Notre Dame doesn't get him, it looks like a miss. But I just he's, he goes to Wayne. The, top players from Wayne go to Ohio State if Ohio State wants them. That's just that's just the way that it works. So I don't view him as as, 
as a as legitimate of an option. Now, if he makes it to campus and, and Notre Dame can pull off that win, that's great. I would probably rank him. I would not rank him as high for me as Jake Taylor or Zach Rice. So I, I would still say he's a good player. If I said earlier that he's a needle mover, I, I, I gap closer. I'd, I'd probably take that back because I just I have more. He's more in that Darren Agu category. He's more in that Ty Chan category where he just he's gonna need a lot of work. I have questions about when a, you know same with George Fitzpatrick, who I like a lot. The reason I don't view George Fitzpatrick as a needle closer is because or gap closer is because even though I love his upside, there's a lot more questions about can he get to that level because of the size and the frame. And so that's why those guys aren't part of this group. Now, if they got a Fitzpatrick or a Wagner with Shrouth and Hinsman, would that be a really good offensive line class? Yeah, it would. But what I view it as, as one that got, gets Notre Dame right back on track, no, I think they'd still be a step behind the way that a couple other programs have recruited in recent years. And so that's kind of where I view that on the offensive line side. Running back-wise, look, we've talked a lot about the big three. I think if Notre Dame gets one of those three, that's that's closing the gap. Even though I don't have Saul Chuck quite ranked quite as high as some of the services, you still add that kind of speed to your roster with Jadarian Price, with the two kids you got last year. That's excellent, excellent running back recruiting. And he would be third on my list as far as players. That's the position I'm most concerned about Notre Dame getting a gap closer in this class. Hey, Dallin Hayden, Nicholas Singleton, Gavin Salchuk. You get one of those three guys, you've closed the gap. The rest of the players on the board are good running backs, but they're not gap closers. And doesn't mean they're not good players. They're just not gap closers. So I think you add you add one of those three guys, you're there. Ohio State, obviously, is the, is the team to beat for Dallin Hayden. But as I've said before, if Notre Dame can convince him to ensure that he makes his visit when he's scheduled right now, that to me is a player that I view as a surefire gap closer type of player. And I think Notre Dame is in good position there if they can get him back on campus. Nick Singleton, it's it's Penn State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. I think that Notre Dame, again, is very much within striking distance. I think get him back on campus. He's been on campus before, as has Dallin Hayden, as has Gavin Salchuk. So these are three kids that have been on campus before. So I don't think the, the official visits are necessarily going to have the huge swing that they could with other players, but they could still be very important and will be very important for Notre Dame. Uh, so they got to get one of those three guys. I'm not quite as confident there. But I would also say that that's the position where you least need a gap closer of the positions they're still recruiting. Quarterback, obviously, we could have that conversation, but they're not recruiting quarterbacks right now. So I think if they miss out at a running back, yeah, it stings, but it, it's like, okay, well, you, you've got Chris Tyree still on campus for two more years, one year for sure with this class. And, and, um, <laughs> And then you look at the class they had last year with Logan Diggs, Audrick Estimate, and then Jadarian Price. Look, you recruit elite offensive lines. You don't need a first-round first back to be really good, and Notre Dame has proven that, right? Notre Dame's had some really, really good running games with guys who weren't high NFL draft picks. So, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. And then let's talk wide receiver recruiting. So as we break down the offense and we look at the gap closers on offense, to me it's really about – it's about there's a it's a big board and there's really good football players on the board but for me i think when i look at the get the, the gap closers there's really four guys three guys excuse me that i believe notre dame has a shot with and and they have to get two of those three but it has to be a specific two in, in of, of those three 
And let's talk about that. So the three players to me that stand above the others in regards to ranking and guys that Notre Dame has a legitimate shot with. You look at Xavion Bradshaw from Virginia, C.J. Williams from California, and Tobias Merriweather from Washington. Now, if you look at and you say, well, can you get any two of those three? If you get any two of those three, it's a really good receiver class, but it doesn't move the needle if you get Merriweather and C.J. Williams to go with Maureen Walker. And I have my doubts about that because it's not just about, let me explain why I think the two of the three has to be Bradshaw plus one of those two. Here's what I mean by that. C.J. Williams and Tobias Merriweather are both excellent players. I grade them both out as top 100 recruits. I think they both have five-star upside. I think C.J.'s a little bit more ready-made right now. Tobias has the higher ceiling. They're both excellent players in my view. But you put those two guys with Amorian Walker and you start running into some of the same problems that Notre Dame has had in the past when they play the better teams on the schedule. And that is, who's your game-breaker of that group? Right? Who's the guy that you look at and say, this guy can be either that great route runner, that great speed guy, that great after-the-catch guy, that player that when you match up against those programs, going back from Percy Harvin all the way up to recent seasons of Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith and those types of players, you say, who are the guys that, that are just that dynamic, after-the-catch, stretch-the-field guy? And I don't think that they're, they're – um, that that's kind of where they are. I feel like I feel like that would give them big possession type guys that can stretch the field in some ways, sort of like a Javon McKinley, a Miles Boykin, but it would give them a lot of Miles Boykins. It wouldn't give them any Will Fullers. It wouldn't give them any Devontae Smiths. It wouldn't give them any Jalen Waddles. It wouldn't give them any you know, any players like that. And to me, it's like there's that's something that they're missing. And so while that would be a really good receiver class practically from or from a recruiting ranking standpoint, I don't know if it gives them the blend of skill sets that they need. Because look, you guys watch the game on Saturday. You we talked you watch Oklahoma play, you watch Clemson play, you watch Ohio State play, you watch Alabama play. Most of those schools are not out there dominating with players that are six three, six four possession guys. They have those players, but those players are also complemented by dynamic players. Now, it's not about getting a smaller guy, because when you look at Clemson's 2018 team, T. Higgins was not necessarily that kind of burner, although he was a big play guy, but he wasn't that type of dynamic after the catch guy I'm talking about either. But Justin Ross was. Even though he was bigger, he he is an elite athlete, and he can be that kind of guy. When you look at Alabama, they haven't had that big player recently. They've had a bunch of great route runners and those types of things. So I, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Uh they have to get Bradshaw because he is that kind of guy. Xavion Bradshaw can be that sort of take a bubble screen. Like, look, I love Tobias Merriweather as a player. Y'all know that. Five-star upside, top 100 guy. I'm taking him in a heartbeat. However, you're not throwing a bunch of bubble screens to Tobias, right? You're, he's not going to take a, 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 a look screen, a now screen behind the line. That's that screen where you just catch it and throw it, and the guy catches it behind the line and – you have to make somebody miss. He's not a guy that's going to do that and make a bunch of people miss and run for a 50-yard touchdown, right? We understand that, right? Great player, but just a different skill set. Well, C.J. Williams is sort of in a similar skill set as Tobias. He is a route runner. He's a physical guy, but he's not a guy that's going to make a ton of plays on, on in the screen game. Now, he can make some plays after the catch, but not to the way that like a Will Fuller could, the way that Xavier Bradshaw could, the way that I think guys like 
you know, Braden Lindsey, Lawrence Keys, those kind of guys. It's just a different kind of player. Bradshaw gives you that. Now, in a perfect world, if Notre Dame wants to hit, like if Dell Alexander wants to get out of everyone's doghouse, then what Dell needs to do beyond developing now Xavier Watts is go out and get Williams, Bradshaw, and Tobias Merriweather. That would be home run because now you've got two really outstanding outside guys in, a, in an, an elite potential slot guy in Xavier Bradshaw. So that would be the home run, right? That would be the, the ultimate gap closing class for Notre Dame. But if they just get Bradshaw and then one of Williams or Merriweather, to me, that's a gap closing class. And that's where I look at the offense. And, and here's where I think they are. I, you know, I've said this before. I think Notre Dame has to get Tobias Merriweather back on campus to really have a shot to close with him. But I've said before that that's one guy that Coach Alexander's done a good job on. Uh, Tommy Reese has been doing a good job there. Brian Kelly's been involved with him. So I like where Notre Dame is at with Tobias Merriweather. It's just they just got to close and they have to be willing to stay in it for the long haul because it doesn't sound like I, I read a I've read a couple interviews with him from other sites. I think that uh, one of the West Coast people at 247 did a site from him, uh, uh, did an article for him, and he mentioned he he wants to carry this process out, talked about committing in January at one of the All-Star games. And so when I when I look at it and I say, that's one you got to be willing to stay in the mix for. Notre Dame hasn't done that a ton lately. They like to get the class over with. So they got to stay in it. C.J. Williams is a guy that I think they could get sooner. Xavier Bradshaw, maybe they could get sooner if they can close. I think they're in a good position with CJ. They got to get him back on campus and close. Savion uh, is a big wild card. I have no clue where they're at with him. They need to go after him hard because he's the kind of guy that could really, really take things over the top for you. Get to defense. There's a couple questions up here. Brandon says, I'm actually surprised where Notre Dame stands with Salchuk. Read yesterday that Notre Dame may be the front runner right now. Doesn't hurt. Oklahoma already has a top five running back committed. So, that's not my read of the situation. I would not say Notre Dame is his leader right now. I think that Notre Dame is still trailing other schools. I think that Notre Dame has done a good job of closing the gap on those other schools in his particular recruitment, but I don't feel that we're in a situation where I would be comfortable saying that. Now, could the visits change that? Sure, of course. That's what recruiting is all about, right? You're not always locked into a spot. But I still feel like at this point in time, it's a situation where Notre Dame is. I wouldn't. I would not. I would not go that far on this one. But I do think that they're in better shape today than they were a month ago. But but I'm not quite there yet. Thank mm-hmm. you.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.